Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. With the pandemic going on, with people dying all over the world, people are thinking about death more than normal right now. And that's a good thing. Today I thought I would preach on Jesus and your funeral. Let's go back in time 2,000 years. There is a group of people coming up to the city of Nain. Jesus, his 12 disciples, and a large crowd. They're going up to the gates. Coming out of the city is a large crowd. It's a funeral procession. In the front is the widow. Her only son is the dead man in the casket. And it's a sorrowful moment. So picture this. You got Mr. Eternal Life coming up the street, death coming down the street, and they have a collision. And Jesus walks over to the widow and says, don't cry. And he puts his hand on the coffin and says, young man, I say to you, arise. And this corpse sits up, comes back to life. Jesus gives the boy to his mother. It says people were seized, seized with fear and glorified God. That can happen at your funeral. Today I want us to talk about Jesus and your funeral. Would you turn to that story that I just told you? It's in Luke chapter 7. Let's get all the lessons we can from this story for our own funeral. Let's pray first. Father, we don't know what day death will come for each of us. And I pray, Lord, we pray together that your Holy Spirit would teach us now how to be ready for our funeral and how to prepare for our funeral. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 11. Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. I mean, this poor lady, think of this, she has three strikes against her. Number one, she's a widow. Widows were dirt poor back then. Number two, she only had one son. You wanted lots of sons back then to work the farm. And now strike number three, he's dead. So this lady is hurting. And let's see what happens uh, in the next verse, verse 13. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Here's the next lesson. When you're down and out, Jesus feels compassion. I mean, when you're down and out, that's when you're tempted to think, where are you, God? Why aren't you helping me? You're not a very compassionate God. Where are you? But, you know, our, our feelings, our thoughts can lie to us. And when we're going through a really rough spot, all we can trust is the written word of God, which teaches when you're down, Jesus feels compassion for you. We were supposed to do a TV show today, an interview show, 
But yesterday the man called me and said, we're going to have to reschedule. I am being so beaten up by the devil. And, and he shared some sorrows with me on the phone. And, and we talked about it. And, and I said, can I pray for you? And we prayed on the phone. But when you're down and out, God has compassion on you. Even if you've sinned and you're down and out because of your sin, God has mercy and compassion. I was visiting someone in the mental ward of the hospital. And as I'm talking to this parishioner of mine, I'm noticing a lady pacing back and forth in the hall, kind of listening to our conversation. Well, when I was done, I got up to leave and she comes over, Pastor, can I talk to you about something? Okay, and we sat down. Pastor, I'm in here because of my sin. And the psychiatrist came in and asked me why I was here. I said, because of my guilt. And he said to me, no, you're here for a psychological evaluation. And she said, yes, I know, but my, my problem is my guilt. And she said, Pastor, I committed adultery against my husband, and it's, been, it's ruined me, and I have so much guilt. So we talked it through. She confessed uh, her sin. She professed faith in Christ for her salvation. And so after we talked it out, I put my hand on her head and I said, Woman, I announce to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ the entire forgiveness of all your sins. You are forgiven. And I remember leaving the hospital thinking, God set that appointment up. When you're down and hurting and really under it, Jesus has mercy on you, compassion on you, even when you've sinned. Let's look at the, the next verse, verse 14. Luke 7, verse 14. Then Jesus came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all. Here's the next lesson. Jesus gets attention at a funeral. I love preaching funerals. I don't like preaching weddings so much. People are thinking about all kinds of stuff and the cake and the honeymoon. But at a funeral, you got people's attention. You've got a corpse. And funerals are the best time to preach the gospel. Way back in 1994, President Richard Nixon died. Billy Graham gave the funeral sermon which was on what will happen to you after you die. Now, Europe is very secular. Few people go to church now in Europe. But when Billy Graham preached that funeral, it made headlines all over Europe that Billy Graham talked about what happens to us after we die. God gets attention at a funeral. Look at verse 16. And a Fear seized them all, and they glorified God. Here's the next lesson. God is glorified at every funeral. One way or another, every funeral, funeral brings glory to God. You might say, well, not my Uncle Joe is an atheist. God sure wasn't glorified at, at his funeral. Yes, God was. <laughs> One way or another. Frederick Nietzsche, famous 
German philosopher who coined the phrase, God is dead. Do you know Nietzsche's father and grandfather were Lutheran pastors? Nietzsche left the faith, coined the phrase, God is, is dead in the 1800s. And there's a story that somebody in more recent time wrote on the wall some graffiti. God is dead, signed Nietzsche. Somebody else came along and wrote under that, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. <laughs> One way or another, God is glorified at every funeral. What I mean by that is God gets the last word at every funeral. At your funeral, at funerals, the ACLU does not get the last word. Planned Parenthood does not get the last word. Hollywood does not get the last word. At everybody's funeral, God is glorified one way or another, and you have to choose how you want God glorified at your funeral. Either people will glorify God saying, well, hallelujah, that person's in heaven with Christ, or they'll say, well, hallelujah, one less tongue to blaspheme God. But one way or another, everybody glorifies God. Many years ago, there was a Norwegian pastor. He had a family in his church. The mother and the children came every week the husband never came. One day the pastor goes over, knocks on the door, and, and says, uh, Sir, you know, your wife and children are in church every Sunday. Shouldn't you be in church worshiping the Lord with your family? Well, he never came. I think the pastor tried two or three, never came. Finally, the man died, and for the first time, he showed up in church for his funeral. <laughs> and the story goes that... During the funeral sermon, the pastor came down from the pulpit, stood over the coffin, and said, Fersint, Fersint, which is Norwegian for too late, too late, too late for you to come to church now. One way or another, God is glorified at every funeral. Let's look. Oh, one more thought on this. Voltaire, you've probably heard of Voltaire, famous French atheist, a philosopher in the 1700s. Uh, he had a nurse in his last days, and when Voltaire died, his nurse needed a new job, and she got an inquiry from London, come and, and we have a man who's dying that needs a nurse. And she said, is this man a Christian? And the interviewer said, yes, fine Christian, why do you ask? For all the gold in London, I will not watch another atheist die. <laughs> Hitler was maybe the worst human in the 20th century, with the possible exception of Joseph Stalin. Stalin was responsible for 15 million deaths in Russia. He was an atheist and he was a tyrant. Svetlana was his daughter, and here's what she said in an interview. My father died a difficult and terrible death. God grants an easy death only to the just. At what seemed to be the very last moment, he suddenly opened his eyes and cast a glance over everyone in the room. It was a terrible glance, insane, or perhaps angry and full of fear of death. Then he lifted up his left hand as though he were pointing to something above and bringing down a curse on all of us. The gesture was full of menace. The next moment, he was dead. 
so everybody, atheist, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian, everybody one way or another glorifies God at their funeral. Now look at verse 16. This is the climax of the story. Verse 16 of Luke 7. Fear seized them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen amongst us, and God has visited his people. Now, look at that verse and answer the question, who is Jesus? Who is it that can raise the dead? Well, what the people said here was, God has visited his people. So who is Jesus? Here's the next lesson. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Let me explain this. The Bible teaches there's one God, but in God are three eternal persons, the Father who made us, Jesus Christ who died for us, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Not three gods, one God. But Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. Jesus is God with the Father and the Spirit. Jesus is eternal. He's always existed. And then... 2,000 years ago, God became a human being at Bethlehem, and Jesus became also truly man, so he could pay for mankind's sin. So yeah, the, 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 the big deal that you need to believe to be a Christian is Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now, did the people in this story quite understand that Jesus was God, even though they said God has visited his people? I don't think so. Did the disciples who followed Jesus for three years, understand that Jesus was God? I don't think so. They got hints, though, like in this story. They started getting hints of who he was. But I don't think it was till after Jesus rose from the dead and Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord and my God, that's when they started to get it. But Jesus is fully God and fully man. Last verse, Luke 7, verse 17. And this report about Jesus spread through the whole region of Judea and all the surrounding country. Here's the last lesson. Let the report be spread at your funeral. Have you planned your funeral? Years ago when I was in college, I knew a young woman who I, th I think came from a small town in Illinois. And she said to me one day, let me tell you what happened. I think... If I remember right, we'd been home maybe for Christmas vacation. She comes back. I can't remember. It's been many years. But she said, there was a nine-year-old boy in our town named Jimmy. Went to the Baptist church. And this nine-year-old was just a little evangelist. And he would talk to people about Jesus. When he heard somebody didn't go to church, he'd start inviting them to church. Well, he got a terminal illness. Jimmy died. And she said, I went to the funeral. And the preacher got up and said, Jimmy asked me to do something at his funeral. He wanted me to preach the gospel and have an altar call. So if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you know it's time for you to follow God. Jimmy asked that you come forward for an altar. And, and, the, and this college woman told me 35 people went forward and accepted Christ that day. Let God be glorified at your funeral. Let the report be spread. I, I will tell you, my mom's funeral was one of the best days of my life. And let me explain this. 
dad came from a large Catholic family, mom was Lutheran from a Lutheran family, but for many years I've been praying, especially for dad's side of the family, because, and no offense to Catholics watching, but some of my relatives, especially one aunt in particular, have the misnotion that you get into heaven by being good enough. And so I've been praying for these people most of my life. Well, at mom's funeral, I was a little surprised, they showed up. Here's, a, here's my dad's Catholic side of the family, aunts and uncles, cousins, relatives, and mom had a pretty good-sized funeral. I wasn't expecting that because she was older. And <clears throat> at the end of the funeral, I got to close the funeral, and I took my guitar up, up into the pulpit, and I said, I'm going to sing Old Rugged Cross. And I said, you know, a lot of people think you get to heaven by being good. That doesn't work because we're sinners. The only way we get to heaven is by what Jesus did on the old rugged cross. Then I sang the song and then I said, right over there as you leave church, there's a, a stand with a bunch of little booklets. If you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, would you take one of these little booklets home and read it and make sure you have accepted Christ and then be in a good church every week and, and follow the Lord? I counted them. 87 booklets were gone. I, I drove back to Minneapolis like flying on a cloud. One of the best days of my life. Make sure that God is glorified at your funeral. There was a Jewish believer by the name of Joseph Flax. He died way back in 1940. But he prepared a postcard to be mailed out to all of his friends and family on the day of his death. And it was, and here's what his postcard said. This is to announce that I have moved out of the old mud house, 2 Corinthians 5. I arrived in glory land instantly, Luke 16. I'm absent from the body, but at home with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5. I have found, as foretold, fullness of joy, uh, Psalm, 1, Psalm 16, I look for you on the way up at the redemption of the body, Romans 8. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's the way to do it. Um, and something comes to mind. One last thing on this. I knew a man named Tom. This, I've never seen this done. This was great. Tom knew he was dying. So he prepared like a five-minute video of himself at his funeral. And so, you know, at the funeral, the preacher got up and we sang the songs. But then all of a sudden, Tom the dead man is on the screen urging people to come to Christ so they can spend eternity in the right place. The question I want to ask you today is, have you prepared your funeral? I want to close with this. You have a choice on how you're going to die. You can die like this. Charles IX, King of France, responsible for the deaths of 100,000 Protestants, on his deathbed, quote, What blood, what murders, what evil counsels I have followed. I am lost, I see it well. Thomas Hobbes, English skeptic, last words, I am taking a fearful leap in the dark. Thomas Paine, American revolutionary and enemy of the Christian faith, O Lord, help me, Christ help me, O God, what have I done to suffer so? But there is no God. But if there should be, what will become of me hereafter? If ever the devil had an agent on earth, I have been that one. And then actress Joan Crawford, when she was dying, she heard her maid 
praying for her as she was dying. And Joan Crawford's last words, excuse my French, damn it, don't you dare ask God to help me. You can die like that. Or you can die like this. The Apostle Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. From now on, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will award to me on that day. Martin Luther's last words, Into thy hands, God of truth, I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. Martin Luther's wife, Katie, quote, as she died, I will stick to Christ as a burr to a topcoat. Uh, Queen Mary Stuart, she was imprisoned by her sister Queen Elizabeth for 19 years. On the morning she was beheaded in 1587, she wrote this poem. O Lord God, I have hoped in thee. O my dear Jesus, now free me. In cruel chains and bitter pain, I desire thee. Longing, moaning, and bending the knee. I adore, I implore, that you set me free. And then William Shakespeare in his will. I commend my soul into the hands of God, my Creator, hoping and assuredly believing through the only merits of Jesus Christ, my Savior, to be made partaker of life everlasting. So I close by saying, you're going to have a funeral. You can die one of two ways, rejecting God, ignoring God, wondering where you're going, or you can die knowing that because of Christ Jesus, your sins are forgiven. He's promised a home in heaven for all who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How will God be glorified at your funeral? Amen. Hi, I'm Mona, and today I'm usually behind the camera, but today I'm uh, filling in for Jackie. And this is um, the portion of the show where we talk to Pastor Brock and ask him questions about the Bible. Mm -hmm. So Pastor Brock, do most people plan their funeral? I've done a lot of funerals in my day, Mona, and overwhelmingly people don't. And they should because then their kids are left scrambling to sometimes disagree on what hymns they should have, etc. So I, I would recommend people uh, plan your funeral. How do you go about planning a funeral well, it's, for yourself? It's easy, and now and then people will do this. You know, Pastor Brock, I want you to do my funeral. Can we sit down? Okay, and we just sit down. Are there certain hymns you like? Yeah, I'd like this and this and this and, and anything special. Uh, and you just, it's very quick and easy. You can do it in five minutes. And that way it's done so your kids don't have to have a headache. <laughs> what are some of the most popular hymns that people want in yeah, their funerals? Yeah, uh, probably number one is How Great Thou Art. Another big one is Amazing Grace. The one I love and I want at my funeral is Old Rugged Cross. Uh, those are, uh, I Know That My Redeemer Lives is another great funeral hymn. So those are four of the biggies, yeah. Can I tell the pastor what I want spoken about well, at my funeral? All right, the last funeral that I did, dear Christian woman, she said to me, Pastor Brock, make sure you preach salvation at my funeral for my family and friends. And, and I, I did, I will tell you, one of, the, one of the relatives said to me before the funeral, now, you know, there is somebody here that would rather you not talk about hell, so please don't bring it up. And I said, but the lady wanted me to preach heaven and hell in Jesus, so that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> And so I did. So you can recommend things, but uh, make sure you get a biblical pastor who's going to preach Christ and not 
we know she's in heaven because she was a good person, right. which is not true. No. She's in heaven because of Christ on the cross. All right, so but make sure you get a good biblical preacher. But I wouldn't, I, I, if you have suggestions or a little story, that's fine, but yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. what does the Bible teach about cremation? We get that question a lot right now, and it, we're coming from the state of Minnesota. I think, if I remember right, more people are being cremated now than buried. That's what I heard too. And, and so uh, I get the question in, in the mail and here's my 10 cents on it. The Bible never says you can't do a cremation, so I'm not gonna say it's a sin. But I will say the history of the church has been kind of against it because we want to testify to the resurrection of the body that God is going to raise our bodies on the last day, so do we need to burn them to a crisp? <laughs> so, but on the other hand, Mona, God will raise everybody, whether you've been burned or buried. Yeah. How does he raise a body that's already decomposed? Right. You know, well, the Bible does talk about those that died at sea, definitely decomposed mm -hmm. at the, we'll say, the bottom of the ocean. God will put them back together. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know how this works, to be honest, but if you dig up a, a, a body from a thousand years ago you'll probably just get some bones mm -hmm. how's God gonna put that together exactly. or from 5,000 years ago when there's just dust mm -hmm. well it, it, I think that the answer is kind of easy God made them to begin with he can put them back together he can figure it out yeah he can figure it out <laughs> where should I leave my money when I die almost everybody leaves their money to their kids mm -hmm. And I would ask people to really reconsider that. Maybe leave some money to your kids, but do your kids really need your money when they die? Probably not in mm -hmm. most cases. I have certain missions that I like to give money to, and when I die, my money's going uh, there as well. So really remember the church, remember missionaries, remember the work of the Lord when you're doing your will. Hmm. Yeah. Do people go to heaven immediately when they die or do they sleep until judgment day? I, I, I have been a pastor many years. I get that question more than any other single question. And in 30 seconds, Mona, here's my 30 second answer. Okay. The Bible does teach you sleep until judgment day and you're raised at the last day. Yep. The Bible also teaches today you'll be with me in paradise. The way I think it gets together, your spirit goes to be with Christ immediately but you don't get your perfect new resurrection body till the last day when you're raised imperishable. So both are true. Okay. And Mona, that's about the end of it. I wanna just say uh, to everybody watching the show, thank you so much for praying for our ministry, for your donating to our ministry. If you want to see this show or any of our shows again, go to pastorstudy.org. You can watch all of our TV shows there for free. And uh, just, or go to my Facebook page. There's lots of articles about heresy in the church and such yeah. things. So God be with you. See you next time. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, 
or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.